First John chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. We're going through the book of First John, talking about what it means to have fellowship with God, not just a relationship with God, but to be able to lock arms with God and walk through life, invite Him into every aspect of our lives, to be on the same page with God at all times. And we come tonight to one of my favorite passages in 1 John because it's a passage that talks about our levels of spiritual development. It sort of says, you know, no matter where we are in our walk with God, one of the things that God wants us to do is celebrate that. He he wants us to be encouraged where we are. Now, He doesn't want us to be satisfied so that we stay where we are, But too often, even as Christians, we are so focused on maybe where we want to get to, and there's nothing wrong with that, that we forget just how far God has brought us and the progress that we have made since we have come to know God. And just the fact that you folks make the extra effort to be here on a Tuesday night for a Bible study in the middle of the week, I think shows again the the seriousness, the focus that you want to have in your life and in your walk with God. And so I just want to celebrate that with you tonight, and and I just want to applaud you, and I think that's what God wants to do tonight. He wants to sort of wrap His arms around all of you tonight and say, good, look at where you've come from, look at at how you've uh, allowed me to, to bring you from where you were to where you are now. And we should never forget that. Because from God's perspective, the encouragement to keep on growing and to keep on moving forward in our walk with God, much of it is going to be fueled by looking back and seeing where God's brought us from to this point and the progress that we've made and how our lives has changed since we took our lives and said, God, here it is. So that's where God is at tonight in this passage of Scripture. So, be encouraged by where you are, where you've come from with God so far in your life, but don't be satisfied to stay there. That's sort of where we're at. So you'll notice, in this passage of Scripture, it, it can be a little strange Because John doesn't necessarily take the levels of spiritual development all in order. Just like the Bible's not written in chronological order. And he does this for several reasons, but we're just going to look at sort of the the main message of John tonight in this passage. I'm just going to read it to you. If you want to follow along, 1 John chapter 2 verse 12. I am writing to you little children that your sins have been forgiven because of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, that you have known him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young people, that you have conquered the evil one. I have written to you, children, that you have known the Father. I've written to you, fathers, that you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young people, that you are strong and the word of God resides in you and you have conquered the evil one. Now, there is repetition here, no doubt about it, but a good teacher will use repetition so that their students can grasp it and and remember it. And that's why he repeats himself. And what he's talking about here is different sort of stages or levels of spiritual development or growth. God wants his people to grow. And I, I do 
want us to be careful, though, that in these stages we're going to talk about tonight, in these levels we're going to talk about tonight, that, that we don't get them so defined because there's transition between each stage and and sometimes we're sort of in this stage and sort of in the next stage all at the same time so don't look at these levels or stages as hard and fast sort of borders or boundaries around them they they can sort of ebb and flow but the important point to make up front tonight, because that's what this passage is all about, that's why he talks about little children and then children and then young people and then fathers. He's talking not about physical age, he's talking about spiritual development. How do we grow as a Christian and what should we know at each level? And to rejoice at whatever level we are at and to celebrate that because that will be the fuel to keep us moving forward but God wants us to grow God wants us to keep on moving forward with him in fact we're going to be turning to lots of different passages tonight so keep your fingers nimble but go back to the book of Philippians for just a moment Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 Paul maybe the most committed Christian who ever lived wrote these words in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 He says, not that I have already attained this. That is, I have not already been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. I haven't arrived yet, Paul's basically saying. Instead, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, even when Paul was a mature Christian, he never stopped striving to walk with God more closely, to know God more deeply, to, to invite God into more of his life, to surrender more of his will to God. All of that, Paul always sought to strive more and more. Again, God wants us to celebrate every stage we get to and to look back and see how far God has brought us and what he's done in our life and not forget that. But he never wants us to be satisfied that we stay there. Because the Bible clearly teaches, again, that there is no plateau that we get to and we just sort of hover there. The Bible teaches very clearly that we are either moving forward in our relationship with God or we are moving backward. We are regressing. And none of us wants to go backwards in our relationship with God, hopefully. We want to keep moving forward. And so that's why John writes this encouragement in 1 John. It's the way we're going to stay walking in the light with God is just to keep growing If we just keep growing and and keep developing and keep just, you know, moving on in our relationship with God, I guarantee you we will have to walk in the light in order to grow. We will have to stay in God's light and in fellowship with Him if we're going to move forward in our development as a Christian. To go from a baby Christian to, in a sense, a spiritual adult. One other thing before we dive into it, because i got lots to share with you tonight. It's especially gals, don't get offended by the the terms uh, young men in your translation or fathers. Those are generic terms. Uh, It could mean young woman. Uh, It it can mean mothers as well. All right? 
It's just a generic, general term just talking about different levels of spiritual development. So let's start with the very first level that John gives us in 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I am writing to you little children. The Greek word there is technia. It literally means little born ones. It's talking literally about infants, about babies. And we've all used those terms, baby Christian, whatever. We understand that because much of the spiritual world and spiritual development can parallel the physical. I mean, it's normal. Uh, it's natural for children to, go, to grow and to go through development and stages of growth. In fact, if a child physically is not growing and going through stages of development, then we know there's something seriously wrong. Well, guess what, folks? The same thing is true spiritually. It's great to be a baby Christian. It's great to have come to know the Lord as your personal Savior. But what John's going to point out is past this level... Don't stay there, because just as tragic as it would be somehow for a child to have their growth stopped at some level and not be able to keep moving, it is just as tragic, in fact more tragic in the long run, for a Christian to stop growing at some point and stop developing. But notice what the sort of knowledge is at this very basic level of being a little born one, a baby Christian. Here's what John says a baby Christian needs to grasp, because obviously they need to grasp this in order to become a Christian in the first place, but it's that solid foundation. Notice he says, little children, you need to certainly come to know and grasp and wrap your mind around the fact that your sins have been forgiven. Now let's not ho-hum that. That's a hallelujah God verse right there. That as a Christian at all stages, no matter how far we mature and grow as a Christian, we should never forget that first stage. Our sins have been forgiven. And folks, in the language, you can't get any more clear than that. They have been forgiven once and for all. You'll notice in your English translation, it's not leaving any doubt. From God's perspective, it's already done. Our sins have been forgiven once and for all. Done. Hallelujah. And that's what a little born one, what a child of God, what a baby Christian, that's something that they truly need to grasp because if they don't get past that, if they truly don't come to to believe that their sins are forgiven, and that somehow God's going to throw their sins up in their face at some point. That, that somehow He's not going to cast their sin into the depth of the sea and remember them no more. That as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our sins from us, the Bible says. If we don't get that, then we will never move beyond a baby Christian. Because the foundation of moving past that is realizing my sins are forgiven Through, notice, the blood of Jesus and because of His name. Not because of what I could do or what I have done. For by grace we are saved. And that is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's because of who Christ is and what He has done that we stand forgiven. 
David wrote in Psalm 32, verse 1, Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. I hope you feel blessed tonight. And I hope any of us, no matter how long we've been a Christian, ever gets over the fact that our sins are forgiven in order to move us then on to the next level. But that's where it is. That's the first level. That's the baby Christian level. Understanding my sins are forgiven because of his name because of who he is and what he has done. In fact, I have to understand that and grasp that fact of the gospel or else I can't become a Christian in the first place. So that's where we start. All of us start at that level. Now, I don't want to take this in order of where it's written because it's not written in the order of development. So I'm going to skip, but we're going to come back to verse 13. Notice then in verse 14, I have written to you, children that you have known the father now this is a different word for children than the little children in verse 12 this is the greek word paideia this is like a toddler or uh you know a little child not a baby not an infant some someone you know in that toddler level and he's saying i've got to get And I've got to strive to go from baby Christian now to toddler level. This word also implies that I can begin to receive instruction, that I can can grasp things, and so God can begin to instruct me. But one of the basic things that I know that I'm at this level is this, verse 14. I have written to you children that you have known the Father. And that word known there is to know by experience. Not to know in my head, not to know through ritual, but to know through relationship. And God wants us to know at this level that He is our Father. In other words, it is basic to continuing to grow as a Christian that I come to a stage in my life where I truly live every day knowing that I am God's child and that He is my Heavenly Father. That should affect my worship. That should affect my prayer life. That is huge. But when we begin to think about how that translates into our everyday life, there are many Christians that never get to that stage. They've truly never accepted the fact that they are a child of God and that God is their Heavenly Father in a positive way. For many, there's a big hurdle of why that's so difficult and maybe more challenging. Because for some folks, they grew up in a home there that... that their parents or guardians or whoever were not very loving, might have been even abusive or whatever. And so when they begin to try to translate being a child of God and having God as their father, they've got a little bit extra of a hurdle to get over because for them, that doesn't translate well at all. Now God, I believe, can help anyone to heal from something like that and to overcome it so that we don't treat our relationship with God the same way we would any human relationship, obviously. Because even the best of men are still men. We still sin. We still fail each other. God never fails. So in any where we are in our relationship with God, we should never treat our relationship with God 
the same way we do other human beings. God can absolutely be trusted. He is absolutely faithful. Every promise that he's ever given us will come to pass. I mean, we could just go on and on. But in this level of my spiritual development, God wants me to know that I am his child and that he is my heavenly father. Keep your finger there in 1 John and go back to the book of Galatians. To Galatians chapter 4 in verse 1. Paul says, Now I mean that the heir, as long as he is a minor, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So also we, when we were minors, were enslaved under the basic forces of the world. But when the appropriate time had come, God sent out his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we may be adopted as sons with full rights. And because you and I are sons and daughters of God, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts who calls Abba Father, literally Daddy, a relationship. You see, God wants us to get to that level where we look at our God in a relational way. That we stop living our our lives in a ritualistic way through a set of rules and regulations, but this is truly a relationship between a child and a heavenly father. That, and that, that's going to affect our prayer life. That's going to even affect how we pray and if we pray, because if we truly believe that we are his child and he is our father and he loves us and he loved us enough to send his son to this earth to die for us, to me, there's going to make a whole difference in my prayer life. It's going to make a difference in my worship, in my singing, in, in my service, in everything. Because it's a relationship between a child and their heavenly father. So you know, are no longer, verse 7, a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir through God. Wow. I mean, we could just go off on that, but we won't for time. So... First stage, little children, technia, a little born one, a baby Christian. I've got to come to grips with the fact that my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, once and for all, and be able to move past that and realize that I can because of His name, not because of anything I have done. And then the second stage, a child, a toddler, One who can begin to receive instruction, but one who still looks more at the relationship. You see, in these first two stages, it's really more about who we know than what we know. It's all about a relationship. It's like a child. They might not know all the, you know, the things yet. They might not have even been to school, but I guarantee you, we all know that some of the first words that comes out of a child's mouth is mommy and daddy. They recognize the relationship. They know who's taking care of them. They get the relationship. And that's what God wants us to nail down in those early stages of our foundation with Christ. And some people never do. And yet, this is also a vulnerable stage, just like a physical child. They are most vulnerable. They need somebody a little bit older, a little bit more mature, looking over them and looking out for them because they are so vulnerable. That's why if you'll turn over to the book of Ephesians, just go past Galatians to the next book, the book of Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. 
That's why Paul writes this. He, in this passage in chapter 4, is encouraging spiritual growth and development. And I'm not going to read the whole passage to you for the sake of time, but in Ephesians 4.14, we'll pick it up there. Here's what Paul says. The reason he wants us to encourage us to grow is so that we are no longer to be children. We've got to desire to move past that stage because as long as we stay in that stage, we are vulnerable. Vulnerable to what? Notice. Vulnerable to being tossed back and forth by waves. Sort of he's picturing uh, in that child stage of our Christianity of being that boat just sort of taken wherever the waves want, want the boat to go. And notice, also, we are tossed back and forth not only by the waves, but we are carried about by every wind of teaching by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. See, as long as I'm in that child stage, I'm susceptible to false teaching more than at any other time I'm a Christian. That's why many cults are filled with Christians, but Christians who never grew out of the childhood stage. They, in a sense, knew enough to know a little bit, they had that relationship, but they weren't grounded yet. They didn't know enough of the Bible. And, and part of the problem was they didn't have anybody in their life, no spiritual parent, no spiritual aunt and uncle or older brother and sister to look out for them. So they were prey for false teachers. They were prey for false doctrine. That's why many, many people, they can be Christians, but they are so duped because, again, they've never been moved past that stage. That's why I have such a personal passion for Bible study and getting people into Bible studies and getting them into the Word because we've got to move people, all Christians, past those first couple of stages to the next stages because at those first couple of stages, they are most vulnerable to so many things. Notice he says on in the verse 15, but practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. From him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body grows in love. Again, God wants us to grow. Growth is as natural spiritually as it is physically. And so those are the first two stages. Let's go back to 1 John and look at the third stage. The third stage is found in the middle of verse 13, where he says, 1 John 2.13, I am writing to you young people that you have conquered the evil one. Now, keep that in mind, and notice also he expands on that a little bit. He's writing to the same group of people at the end of verse 14. He simply says a little bit more about it. I have written to you young people that you are strong and the word of God resides in you and you've conquered the evil one. Same group though. We would say spiritual teenagers or young adults would be this level. And one of the things we come to know at this level is that in our growth and development, folks, we are in a battle. We are in a battle with the evil one. The one who will oppose us at every turn as we move forward. Again, some Christians, it's a shock for them to go from the childhood stage to the young adult stage spiritually. Because all of a sudden, they start getting a lot of pushback from their spiritual enemy. They start encountering all kinds of obstacles and opposition. And all of a sudden, they think they're doing something wrong. And actually, they're doing everything right. 
The, the reason that, that they're getting pushback from the evil one is because he doesn't want to see them move any further in their spiritual growth and development. He wants to discourage them at that point. He wants to keep them at the vulnerable stage so that he can send false teaching and false doctrine and all of that into their lives to turn their lives upside down. So at this stage, we begin to recognize we are in a spiritual battle. But here's the most important thing at this stage. Yes, we are in a spiritual battle with the evil one, but he is, the one we are in this battle with, a conquered foe. He is already defeated. Notice what the Bible says. I have written to you young people that you have conquered, passed the evil one, because he was conquered. And what God wants us to see at this stage is not that we are fighting for some kind of victory. We are fighting from the victory that Jesus Christ gave us. When Jesus Christ said on the cross, it is finished, that meant that Satan was defeated once and for all. We fight, yes, an evil enemy, but we've got to approach it from the perspective that He's already been defeated. So any power that he has over us is only because we give it to him. We allow him to have that power in our lives. Because he is a conquered foe. That's why. Turn over to 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. That's why John says a little bit later on, You are from God, little children, and have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's why Peter could write in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your spiritual enemy, the devil, is going to walk around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, firm in the faith. That's why Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18 says, finally, my brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, we can make a stand against the devil because he's a defeated foe. Some say, well, then why is he still fighting if he knows he's defeated? I think there's a couple reasons. One, I think Satan's going to try to take down as many people with him as he can. And I think Satan is so filled with anger and bitterness against God and against those who follow God that he is blinded by his anger, by his rage, by his bitterness that he can't stop. See, Satan will not surrender. Satan will not throw up the white flag at any time. Satan will not quit attacking us. But there is coming a time where his defeat already will be made known. And once and for all, God is going to cast Satan, our spiritual enemy, into the lake of fire. And we'll never hear from him ever again. Folks, this stage is huge. Because again, there are many Christians that when they wake up every morning, they're waking up from the perspective of, I'm defeated. Satan is so strong and, and I'm always going to struggle with this. And, 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 and we just wake up already defeated. God wants his child who understands that all of our sins are forgiven and we are a child of God, therefore we are an heir of Jesus Christ, to wake up every day saying, I am with Jesus. And Jesus is not a loser. Jesus is a winner. 
And if I lock arms and arms with Jesus today, no matter what Satan or the world or anybody else throws against me, I will be able to take my stand and make my stand and defeat this thing because he's already been conquered. He's already been conquered. And I have already conquered him through my union and relationship with Jesus Christ. It just is totally going to affect our mindset every day, our perspective every day. And that's the level God wants us all as Christians to get to. Now notice then, at the end of verse 14, that's why he says, I have written to you young people who have conquered the evil one, but he makes also an important other step here. He says, because you are strong, the end of verse 14, and the word of God resides in you. And literally what he's saying there is, the reason we are strong is because the word of God resides in us. See, when people ask me, Pastor Jeff, how can I be a stronger Christian? How can I strengthen my, you know, Christian life? Say, get into the word of God, because that's what the Bible says. We are strong through the Word of God. God wants us to so saturate our minds with this truth that it is an unbelievable resource, especially in spiritual battle with our defeated enemy. In fact, keep your finger there in 1 John. Go back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. Jesus himself, great example. Matthew, chapter 4. And while you're turning there, let's not forget the words of the psalmist in Psalm 1 who told us to meditate day and night on the Word of God. See, I believe God wants every Christian to humanly as possible master the Word of God. I mean, obviously, we can't, it's, it, we can't know the depths of all of it, but we can come to a point where over years and years of reading and study, we can come to some type of mastery. We can know where the books of the Bible are. We can know who the main characters are of each book. We can know what the theme is of that book. What are some of the key verses in that book? How how that book relates to my life. How does it apply to my life? What's God saying through that book to me? We can come to that kind of understanding. And that's the kind of understanding that God wants every Christian to strive for so that we can be strong and know that the word of God is our resource every day for everything we will encounter especially our battles we face with the evil one notice Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 used the word of God when Satan tempted him then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights he was famished The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered, It is written. It written where? Written in the Bible, in the Word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point in the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, and Satan uses the Bible, doesn't he? He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Ah, but you're taking that out of context, Satan. Once again it is written, You are not to put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their grandeur. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you throw yourself to the ground and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, You are to worship the Lord your God and serve only him 
You see, even when the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was approached by the devil while on earth, the one thing he used in the battle was the Word of God, his knowledge of the Word of God. That's why John says that God wants us all to get to the point where we become young men and women in the battle, but recognizing that the one we are in the battle with is already defeated. We are not fighting for victory, but from victory. We need to be approaching this as if we're on the winning side, not the losing side. And we need to saturate ourselves throughout our life with the Word of God so that when the battles come, when the trials come, when the mountains come, when the struggles come, we have the Word of God in our minds, gripping our hearts as a tremendous resource to help get us through anything we will face in life. That's what God wants to build into our lives. And then, back to 1 John, the final stage, verse 13 and 14, is the father or mother or, say, parent stage. Notice in verse 13, I am writing to you fathers that you have known him who has been from the beginning. And here, he doesn't change it at all. In verse 14, it's basically the exact same thing. I have written to you, fathers, middle of verse 14, that you have known him who has been from the beginning. See, one of the stages that God wants us to get to is that stage like a parent where we are able and willing to look out for the spiritual children around us. Because the spiritual children, the baby Christians, those toddlers in Christ need those who are older and more mature to look out for them. We need to be willing as those who are a little bit older in the Lord to take that on as a responsibility. If not, then many of them will go astray. Many of them will not get rooted and grounded like they should. Many of them will be led astray into false teaching and false doctrine and all kinds of things. But if they have some people that can come alongside of them and who are willing and able because they've allowed themselves to grow and go up through these stages to say, hey, can I help you? Can, can maybe we you know, meet every once in a while, pray together, let me be somebody you can talk to every once in a while, all of this kind of stuff. We desperately, and can I just say at Cornerstone, we desperately need folks like that because we've got so many baby Christians and toddler Christians. That's why I wish that this mine was even twice as full and our Bible studies were even more full and all of our maturity pieces because we desperately need more people who are willing to grow up in their walk with God in order to look out for those who are younger spiritually. But it also implies something else. It also implies by the term father, mother, parent, that we have gotten to a level through our life and witness where we can influence others to become Christians or for Christians to keep on growing in their walk with God. In a sense, we have come to be able to spiritually reproduce, just like parents do. See, God wants us all to grow to the point where we, in a sense, can be used by God to reproduce spiritual children, if you will. 
to, to have God use our lives to be such an influence that, that others will want what we have and how we walk and how we live, that in a sense we are influencing people to become Christians, ch- children of God, and to influence positively Christians to keep on growing in their That's what he means by becoming a father. I have two children physically. Stephen, my son, and Beth, my daughter. But hopefully, at the end of my life, I will have a lot more spiritual children, in a sense. Folks that my life has influenced in a positive way spiritually. God wants you to have spiritual children, too. He wants you to grow to the point where you, in a sense, like that we can now responsibly, spiritually reproduce others. And that when we get to heaven, there will be people in heaven who will say, they had a part in me being here. They were one of the people that told me about Jesus or invited me to church or gave me a Bible or whatever, but some part. And it doesn't have to be that we have to lead them to Christ and actually have them pray the prayer or whatever. The Bible says that all of us are equally important along someone's journey to Christ and with Christ. Some of us water, some of us plant, some, but we're all important along the way. And God wants us all to get to the point where that's our focus. God, use me to touch other people's lives so that they can become a Christian or keep on going as a Christian. But you'll notice also the mindset here of someone who gets to this stage too is that they have known him who was from the beginning. And that's repeated in verse 13 and 14. What I think that that phrase is reminding us of is when we get to this stage, we are more and more living for eternal things because we truly have locked in to the God who has no beginning and no end, and we are now living more for eternal things than we are temporal things, for things that don't last. We are becoming, through our development and growth spiritually, to be able to discern what are the truly important things of life that I should be a part of, and what are the things that I should just sort of let go. That's why you'll notice in the context here, verse 15, 16, and 17 of 1 John chapter 2, that's why John writes, do not love the world or the things in the world. Folks, he's not talking about creation. He's not talking about people. He's talking about a system, a system that is anti-God, a system who puts price tags on things that God would put just the opposite value and price tag on. And all John is saying is as I grow as a Christian, as I mature as a Christian, hopefully my value system is going to reflect God's value system of things. That that I'm going to look at things and people and all of this the way God does rather than the way the world tells me to. That the world system would say, hey, this is valuable. And God may say, no, that's not as valuable as this. And so as I grow as a Christian, I will learn what are those truly valuable, eternal things that I should be a part of. Because you'll notice he goes on to verse 17 where he reminds us, and the world is passing away with all its desires, but the person who does the will of God remains forever eternal things you see we know we are growing as a christian we are developing as a christian and we are going up this level of spiritual development whenever more and more of our life 
is more about what's eternal than what's temporary. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, not on the earth. That's what our lives need. It needs to be more about what am I investing in rather than what am I spending. See, when we spend, it's just gone. There's nothing ever going to be to show for that. God wants us to live our lives investing in eternal things and things that are going to outlast our lives and go with us into eternity. He says that throughout the Bible. And someone who has this kind of mindset and also who grows to this point, it's not just a physical mature thing, it's, it's a spiritual mature thing where we get to a certain age spiritually, just like physically, where we realize life is short. <laughs> and life is pretty fragile. And we only get one life, so therefore we need to live every day as if it could be our last. Not to take life for granted, not to take God for granted, not to take each other for granted, not to take the Bible for granted, but to truly live each day to the fullest. That's why if you turn over to the book of James, just real quickly, go back a couple of books through Second Peter and First Peter, and you'll come to the book of James, and look at chapter 4, verse 13. James says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this or that town and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You do not know about tomorrow. What is your life like? For you are a puff of smoke that appears for a short time and then vanishes. You ought to say instead, if the Lord is willing, then we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows what is good to do and does not do it is guilty of sin. Now there's a lot in that passage, but for our sake of study tonight, it's that phrase, our life is a puff of smoke that appears for a short time and vanishes away. So hopefully physically, but even more importantly spiritually, I get to a level of development in my walk with God, in my fellowship with God, where it's all about eternal things. Where I stop living my life for those things that are going to pass away. And that I truly invest in the most important things that I come in contact with on this side of heaven. This is what marks a true spiritual father or mother or parent at this stage because they've truly come to know the one who's from the beginning and they recognize that there's more to life than what I see, what I feel, what I sense with just my senses. So tonight, folks, here's what John is saying to us. He's saying, I don't know where you're at, in your walk with God, in your, in your growth, in your development of being a Christian. But he says, wherever you're at, be encouraged. Celebrate that. Because remember where we were before Christ. And remember where we were before we started learning the Bible and growing a little bit. Remember how far God has brought us to this point. And don't miss that and celebrate that because that celebration and that acknowledgement of where God has brought us to this point is going to partly be the fuel we need to get us where God wants to take us. But then all God is also saying is, but don't be satisfied to stay there. Keep on 
moving forward. If you're a baby Christian, desire to become that toddler Christian. If you're a toddler Christian, desire to become that that young adult Christian. That yeah, we're going to face some battles in our life. But we are fighting a defeated foe. And we need to be strong through saturating ourselves with the Word of God and arming ourselves with the Word of God as our ultimate resource. Remember in Ephesians 6, the only offensive weapon in all the spiritual armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then God wants us to keep on growing. To become that that spiritual mother or father that gets to a point in our growth and in our development where we're able to look out after the children and the toddlers spiritually because they're so vulnerable. And God wants us to grow to that point so that we can begin reproducing spiritual children ourselves and letting God use us to bring others into the kingdom and influence those who are already in God's family to keep on moving forward in their walk with God and to be able to live more and more every day for what's really important, what really matters, the eternal things over the temporal things. This is the markers of our spiritual development. These are the biblical markers of spiritual growth. Now, obviously, there's so much more to every stage, but from God's perspective, that's enough that we need to keep us moving from one level to another. I want to thank you folks because You all are such an encouragement to me every week to see how many come out on Tuesday night to see you desiring to learn more of the Bible. Thank you for for being that for me, to keep me into the Word of God as much as I am so that hopefully I can share something with you folks that is encouraging and challenging at the same time. But folks, just keep growing. Just keep growing you will never regret it it is the most fulfilling life that we could ever live before we get to heaven is just to let god keep taking more and more of our lives and seeing what he wants to do with our lives keep growing in the lord let's pray god thank you for this encouragement tonight help us god to truly celebrate where we are right now in our lives For many of us, if we were to go back and look at our lives before we come to know you, wow, it looks so different. And then God, maybe for some of us, even to look at what our lives were like when we were first a Christian, a baby Christian, a toddler Christian, and where we are now, God, thank you for bringing us so far Thank you for all the things you've taught us, for all the lessons we've learned, for even all the stumbles, because just like a child, Lord, sometimes we're going to fall down, but like a a loving heavenly Father, you want to just pick us back up, dust us off, maybe put the band-aid on the knee and just keep us moving forward. So God, thank you for how far you've brought us. But God, help all of us never to be satisfied to stay where we are. Help us to always, as Paul says in Philippians 3, to keep reaching forward and pressing towards the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for these reminders. Thank you for these challenges. Bless your people tonight, Lord. 
Bring us back next week once again to dive back into your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, thanks again for being here. Have a great week. See you next week.